and thank you for joining us here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. For those of you who don't know, Dr. M.H. Tab was born into God's family almost 56 years ago by the wonderful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He then served as a Christian school principal, Bible Institute teacher, administrator, and assistant pastor. In 1980, God then called Dr. Tab to establish Gulf Coast Baptist Church, where he pastored for 40 years. He continues his service now as the founder of Gulf Coast Bible Institute, preacher, and author of over 46 doctrinal books. Let us now open our Bibles together with Dr. Tab as our guide and rightly divide the word of truth here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. Now, on the last podcast, we finished up with the fact that uh, December 25th is a, came from a pagan celebration of the birth of the sun god. And uh, we will pick up from that point and move on now. Some more quotations. Grolier Universal Encyclopedia on its article, Christmas, 1965 edition, says, quote, December 25th was already a major festival in the Roman pagan Roman world. The Dies Natalis Solus Invicti, or birthday of the unconquered sun, falling within the week-long celebration of the Saturnalia, a feast honoring uh, the renewal of the sun at the winter solstice. Pagan celebrations on December 25th had included feasting, dancing, lighting bonfires, decorating halls with greens, and giving gifts, end of quote. Uh, even the traditional Christmas parade is, is of pagan origin. The Book of Knowledge, in its uh, 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 section, A Year Full of Holidays, 1964 edition, says about the Christmas parade, quote, this custom goes back to ancient Rome. During the week before the new year, the Romans honored their, their god Saturn with a festival called Saturnalia. Uh, the festival is really an orgy, end of quote. Uh, the mother of Adonis as Temuz, the sun god, was called in Rome. Uh, his mother was known as a great mediatorial deity. In other words, she was the mediator between the people and her son. Well, that's Catholicism at its best, is it not? She was the mother goddess. In mythology, the mother goddess was uh, changed into a tree. And while she's in the state of a tree, she brought forth her divine virgin-born son. Now, since the mother was a tree, her son in mythology is called the branch. That's a perversion of one of the titles of the Lord Jesus. Isaiah 11, verse 1, Jeremiah 23, 5, Jeremiah 33, verse 15, he's called the branch. The celebration of uh, the mother goddess's son's birth was called the nativity of the sun, S-U-N. In other words, the birth of Saul. Uh, pagans call the December celebration the nativity of the sun. Christians simply call theirs the nativity. When we're told to prove all things, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, <laughs> do we really do that? Have you ever looked up the word nativity in a dictionary to see what it's all about? <clears throat> One of the definitions of nativity is, quote, a horoscope at uh, or of the time of one's birth, in a quote. Well, when Christians celebrate the nativity of Christ, are they celebrating the horoscope of Jesus Christ? I should hope not. I mean, check that out, Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 through 12. Putting up uh, an evergreen tree in your house on December 25th is what Jeremiah calls the way of the heathen in Jeremiah 10, verse 2. 
And by the way, there was no tree in the ox stall, the manger, where Jesus was born. It's called a, the same word translated stall in uh, Luke 13, 15 as manger in Luke 2, verse 17, a place where animals were kept and fed. The tree represents a god who was called in ancient times, among other things, Temus. In modern times, his name is Santa Claus. So a Christmas tree represents not Jesus Christ, but Santa Claus, the modern counterpart uh, of a pagan god. <clears throat> By the way, Santa Claus is the modern equivalent of the transgender dual-sex god, a Greek god named Hermaphroditus. Santa is feminine, for saint and clause is masculine. So you got you got the feminine masculine mix in one being there as the transgenders are pushing on us today. Uh, a lot of Christians, hopefully most of them, ignore Santa Claus at Christmas time. Others cater to him. But those that ignore him still keep the tree that represents him. It's the only reason for the tree. Its only purpose is to represent him, the God behind it. Both history and scripture prove that. God said to us, learn not the way of the heathen. Um, about the way of having a decorated tree in your house is what he's talking about in Jeremiah. And by the way, that tree is, serves as an altar under which gifts and sacrifices are made. Um, that's detailed in my book about Santa Claus. I'm not going to go into all that here. All right, now if Jesus wasn't born in December, then when was he born? There's uh, not a word in the Bible about the precise day of his birth or even the time of year in which he was born. What is recorded implies that when his birth took place, it could not have been on December 25th. At the time that the angel announced his birth to the shepherds of Bethlehem, they were guarding their flocks by night in the open fields. Nights in Palestine from December to February are generally very cold. The shepherds of Judea stopped taking their flocks into the open fields by the end of October before the winter rains uh, started. Uh, Hislop, I mentioned in the last session in his book, The Two Babylons, uh, page 91, he says this, quote, It was not the custom for the shepherds of Judea to watch their flocks in the open field later than the end of October, end of quote. Moses ben Maimon, known as Maimonides, who died in 1204 A.D., he was a very prolific writer. He was a highly influential Jewish uh, Torah scholar of the Middle Ages. Torah refers to the five books of Moses. Maimonides says he counted 613 laws in the Torah, uh, I'm not going to check that out. I'm not going to try to count how many laws are in, in the books of Moses. But he actually got that number from Rabbi Simla, who lived in the 3rd century A.D., the first one to state that number. Now, according to Maimonides, the Jews brought their flocks and herds out of the fields and into the village when the rains started descending. The first rain falls in the Jewish month, Shevan, uh, Shevan, which overlaps our October-November. So Christ must have been born before that first rain. <clears throat> the harvest uh, was completed before the Feast of Tabernacles, and so it was before the first winter rains, Deuteronomy 16, verse 13. John Kiddo, an English scholar who died in 1854, he spent a lot of time observing life in Palestine. He wrote extensively about it. And one of his books was titled Palestine, the Physical Ge Geography and Natural History of the Holy Land, published in 1841. In his commentary on Deuteronomy 11, verse 14, um, which is about the first rain and the latter rain, he says that the first rain is in autumn, that is, in September or 
October. That would make the time of the removal of the flocks from the field sometime before the first rain. <clears throat> the English scholar Joseph Mead died 1639. He said, quote, at the birth uh, of Christ, everyone was to go to be taxed in the city where, where to they belonged, where there some, where there some had long journeys. But the middle of winter was not fitting for such a business, especially for women with child and children to travel in. Therefore, Christ could not have been born in the depth of winter. Again, at the time of Christ's birth, the shepherds lay abroad, watching with their flocks in the nighttime. But this was not likely to be in the middle of winter. And if any uh, shall think the winter wind was not so extreme in these parts. Let him remember the words of Christ in the gospel. Pray that your flight be not in the winter, Mark 13, 18. If the winter was so bad a time to flee in, it seems no fit time for shepherds to lie in the fields and women and children to be traveling. In a quote. Uh, I could quote many others, uh, but that should suffice that nobody saw the birth of Christ as being in December until Pope Julius decreed it so as we saw in the last uh, podcast. Uh, the early church father, John Chrysostom, he lived in Pope Julius's time, uh, 4th century A.D., and he said concerning December 25th birth date, quote, it is not yet 10 years since this day was made known to us, end of quote. Well, who made it known to him? Pope Julius I. So what is he saying? He's saying, hey, Christ died over 300 years ago, and now suddenly we find out the date he died? How can that be? Uh, Hislop says in his book on page 92 concerning the 20, December 25th celebration, he says, quote, within the Christian church, no such festival as Christmas was ever heard of till the third century. That was uh, Hippolytus' day, and, not, and that not till the fourth century, and that not till the fourth century was it far advanced did it gain much observance after, after the Pope decreed it, made it an official church uh, holy day. And then it started to be become widely spread. Now, <clears throat> we might also note in passing that uh, the Lord's birth was not the miraculous thing in the first place. He was born just like everybody else. His conception is what was miraculous. And if we want to get technical, his birth obviously being in September, uh, six months before Passover, and we're going to see that a little bit later, that would place his conception the previous December. Then the December celebration, at least the month, if not the very date, actually corresponds to the Lord's conception by the Holy Ghost, not to his birth. Now, we can conclude that September was the time of our Lord's birth in, uh, in several different ways, a number of ways. Uh, the most notable being his, the relationship of his birth to that of his forerunner, John the Baptist. John's birth was prophesied to his father um, <clears throat> while uh, his father was ministering in the temple during the course of Abia, Luke 1, verse 5. It's called the course of Abijah in 1 Chronicles 24, verse 10. One of the 24 courses of the priesthood set up by King David. You can read about this in 1 Chronicles uh, 23 and 24. Uh, each priestly course served in the temple for one week at a time, 2 Chronicles 23, 8, 2 Kings 11, verse 9. They did it twice a year. The course of Abbey was the eighth course from uh, the beginning of the month Abim, the first ecclesiastical or religious month of the Jewish uh, year, also called uh, Nisan in Esther chapter 3, verse 7. It was the month of the Passover, Exodus 12, verse 2. So it overlaps our April and May uh, on our calendar. All right, then John's father was fulfilling this course in the eighth week of the Jewish year. That would place it around the middle of June on our calendar. 
And after finishing his course, he returned home and his wife conceived. Luke 1, verses 22 and 24. That brings us to the last few days of the month of June, which indicates that John was probably conceived on June 24th, the summer solstice, six months before the winter solstice in December. So, six months after John's conception, which took place in December, Gabriel, I'm sorry, six months after his conception, his conception took place in June, but in December, Gabriel appeared to Mary, Luke 1, verse 26, and the virgin-born Son of God was conceived by the Holy Ghost, Luke 1, verse 35. The Bible shows that to be six months after the conception of John, Luke 1, verse 36. So the man Jesus was conceived in late December and born nine months later, which would place it in late September. Jesus was in all probability, this is just a guesswork here, born on the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Leviticus 23, verses 33 and 36, which was on the 15th day of the month Tishri, which overlaps our September-October. That would make his birth again toward the end of September. <clears throat> now, an interesting side note. In Catholic mythology, September 29th is called Michael Mass in honor of the Archangel Michael. Michael is apparently over God's angelic host, Revelation 12, verse 7. That angelic host appeared to the shepherds <clears throat> at the birth of Christ. Uh, first, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, Luke 2, 9, gave them instructions, and then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, Luke 2, verse 13. Maybe that angel was Michael that would account for Michael Mass. Again, speculation. Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish head of the year, the Jewish New Year, occurs in the Jewish seventh month, which is our September with Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, on the 10th day of the Jewish month. Uh, the Jews celebrate Tishri 1 as the day that God created the world. Uh, in 2023, next year, Rosh Hashanah will be on September 15th. Yom Kippur will be on September 24th. Now, the 10th day of the month was the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 23, verse 27. Five days later, on the 15th day of the month, began the eight-day Feast of Tabernacles, which occurred after the gathering end of the harvest, Leviticus 23, verses 34 through 39, and before the latter rains. The first day of the a feast was a holy convocation. That is, it was a high Sabbath. Uh, and, the, and the last day, the eighth day of the feast, was a holy, also a holy convocation. Leviticus 23, verse 37, a high Sabbath. All right, if Jesus was born on the first day of that feast, that would place his circumcision, Luke 2, verse 21, commanded in Luke 12, verse 3, on the eighth day of the feast, also a holy convocation. Again, that is speculation on my part. Now, by the way, the root word dwelt in John 1, 14 is the same as tabernacle in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, as in the Feast of Tabernacles, <coughs> telling us God came, Jesus came to dwell among us. So, the birth of John the Baptist pretty well sets the birth of Jesus Christ in September. Now, another clue from Scripture comes in Creation Week, Genesis chapter 1. I won't go into detail in this podcast about that because uh, to really show, show it requires visual aids such as charts and so forth. And furthermore, there'll be some obvious speculation here since we can't tie this down as tightly scripturally as we can with the comparison to uh, John's birth. The earth was created on day 1, Genesis 1-1. The sun was created on day 4, verse 16. The sun represents Jesus Christ, the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness, 
Malachi 4, verse 2. Just as the moon is a type of the church, Song of Solomon 6.10. Uh, life shows up on the planet on the fifth day in Genesis 1, verse 20. Jesus was born at the end of the fourth millennium from creation, day 4, 2 Peter 3.8. And his ministry was in the beginning of the fifth millennium, day 5. That's when the way, the truth, and the life, John 14.6, provided eternal life to all humanity. Um, by the way, God didn't refer to the plant world as life on day three. He reserved that term for animated life, moving creatures, on day five. <clears throat> now, what does all this have to do with the date of Christ's birth? Simply this. In a study of the Earth's orbital relationship to the sun, uh, it'll be discovered that the sun is off-center to the orbit. Being off-center creates two foci, uh, for the orbit of the Earth, making the orbit slightly, and I emphasize very slightly, elliptical. It's almost a perfect circle, as the radii at different points clearly show. The, and I know the, the science books would call it an ellipse, but it, it is so slight, it's, like I said, almost imperceptible. The diameter at, uh, at, at spring, uh, uh, at fall time, the diameter between spring and fall is almost identical to that between summer and winter. The difference being a mere, as far as astronomical distances go, a mere 124,300 miles. Now that's unnoticeable in an orbit with a diameter of around 186 million miles. So it's almost a perfect circle. Then why is the sun off center? Because God created it after the earth was already in orbit. So it's off-center to the distance the earth had traveled when God created the sun. That off-center distance is about one and a half million miles from the center. So the sun is uh, three million miles roughly from the other foci in the earth's orbit. With the earth traveling at about 66,500 miles per hour, it's traveling at about, uh, for round figures, 1.6 million miles a day. That puts the sun about one day off center in the orbit. Okay, day one. In Genesis 1, the colloidal planet was created. That is a blob of water with all the elements suspended in the water, uh, uh, making this big, humongous colloidal water. Okay, Water has no shape of its own. It takes the shape of its container. So here's this blob of water with all the elements suspended in it. And so on day one, the Spirit of God moved on the water, uh, drawing it into a spherical shape. On day two, he separated the waters from the waters, creating a canopy above the water planet with the atmosphere in between. Now, you can probably tell from what I'm saying here, I do not believe in any time gap in Genesis 1. There's no real proof of that, either in or out of the Bible. My book, titled The Gap Theory, explores all the so-called evidence, both in the Bible and in the secular world of science, falsely so-called, concerning that matter. On day three, God drew the elements from the water, forming the dry land, which he called earth. Technically, in the Bible, the word earth deals to the dry land, not the planet. In all likelihood, <clears throat> uh, that uh, day three was when he set the earth to spinning in its orbit. If so, that accounts for the one day off center for the sun because it was created the next day, day four. 
Now, if all that's true, all that being said, an examination of the orbit in its relation to the sun will reveal that the offset took place in September because the sun is closer to the Earth in December than it is in June, the two solstices. <clears throat> that would make that closeness being drawn about in the month of September. <clears throat> Excuse me for all this. Now, remember the Jews celebrate Tishri 1, as I said last time, as the day that God created the world. Tishri matches our September-October. So Tishri begins in September, normally in the latter half. Uh, it varies. Their calendar greatly varies from ours due to the fact that it's a lunar-based calendar and ours is, is sun-based. For example, in 2001, Tishri 1 was September 7th. In this year, 2022, it was September 25th. Next year, 2023, will be September 16th. In 2024, will be October 3rd. So a great variation. That's why the Jews, and for their calendar, every six to seven years they have to add a month to catch up with the sun's calendar. So, was Christ born on Tishri 1? Well, we can't say that dogmatically, but it certainly fits the typology of creation week. <clears throat> now, if we're going to celebrate Christmas, which, as I said, I do, my family does, um, there's nothing wrong with celebrating it. But why don't we do what was being done when Christ was born if we're going to celebrate it as his birthday? Luke 2, verse 10, And the angel uh, said unto them, Fear not, <clears throat> for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. At the Lord's birth, the angels were doing something. Luke 2, 13 and 14, Suddenly there was with the angel a, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, uh, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. At his birth, the heavenly host was doing something. Luke 2, 17 and 18, And when they had seen it, they made known, that is the shepherds, abroad the saying which was told them, concerning this child and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So there the shepherds are doing something. Luke 2 verse 20 and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God uh, for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Alright? Here's what God expects of us if we want to celebrate the birth of Christ in December. Which of course it wasn't in December that's okay. And celebrate it then or any other time if you want to. Now, here's the formula for being uh, a Christian about celebrating Christmas. Number one, God wants us to tell the story of our Lord's birth. That's what the angels did, verse 10. We need to tell people that a Savior was born, and he came to seek and to save that which was lost, Luke 19, 10. Uh, that was his purpose for coming to the earth in the first place. Christmas certainly affords an opportune time for us to witness to the lost. Secondly, God wants us to praise him for the wonder of it all, verses 13. 13 and 14. And thirdly, we're to testify <clears throat> of our own personal encounter with Jesus Christ, verses 17 and 18. The shepherds went away telling what they had heard and seen and heard, and they told of their experience, uh, personal experience about the Lord. We need to tell people about the Savior. We need to glorify God. We need to worship God. We need to tell others about our own personal relationship to that Savior. And lastly, uh, from that passage, we're to glorify God in all that we do as we celebrate his birth verse 20. Now, does all this mean that we're wasting our time celebrating Christmas in December? No, not at all. The main point of Christmas is not chronology. It's theology. It's worshiping the one who came to this earth, God manifest in the flesh, to save our immortal souls. Now, for further study about all this, you can, you can check my book, Santa Claus, Christmas Trees, Easter Bunnies, and Colored Eggs, and uh, deal with all the details 
involved in it. Thank you for listening. I hope this has been a blessing to you.